This episode of Idle Thumbs is brought to you by Squarespace. Squarespace is the fastest and easiest way to make your own beautiful website, portfolio, blog, or online store. You drag and drop elements, you put together a site really quickly, it works well on any device you could possibly imagine that has an internet browser, and you can start your own at squarespace.com using the promo code THUMBS to get 10% off. And if you sign up for a year, a free domain. That's squarespace.com with the promo code THUMBS. Nice. I had to say nice at the end so you knew that I thought it was nice. I'm glad that you did think that. How many games did you play this week, Jake? I don't know. Let's let's have a sample out of thumbs conversation. <laughs> so I tried to play stunts over the weekend because I was thinking about stunts. It turns out the only version of stunts that I have is on discs, and I don't have a disc drive, so I didn't play stunts. That's too bad. Pretty good game, though. In the computer that I rebuilt recently, I finally just threw away the, the three-and-a-half-inch floppy disk drive that was in there. So now there's just a hole in the front bay of my computer. Right, uh, because yeah, of, uh, because I just didn't off. because I just didn't want to deal with the fucking what is it a scuzzy cable? What is it's it? not scuzzy. What is mm. the big flat one? It gets scuzzy. If your floppy it drive was IDE, a, it's probably well, IDE. What, what is it? It's yeah, IDE. IDE. Yeah, it's, okay. Scuzzy was like scuzzy is old as fuck. Scuzzy was the ones that were like the the wrapped metal bracket that you'd like plug in and then have to clamp the two sides oh, down. Oh man. shit! Yeah. Oh I forgot man! About those. I totally yeah. forgot about that. That's huh. scuzzy. Oh, classic scuzzy. God, someone at CES unveiled unveiled because it's CES. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember. It, it was it was Razor. unveiling is like unboxing of the mind. Yes. Oh my god. I yeah. That's a classic quote. Steve Jobs is really into that quote. Um, <laughs> it was on the last episode or the last issue of uh, the Whole Earth Catalog. <laughs> It's January 20th, 2016. This is Idle Thumbs 246. I'm Chris Remo. I'm Nick Brecken. I'm Jake Rodkin. Can you wait until it's 2020? <laughs> Sorry. What? Nick reacted to my date read. Yeah. <sighs> I was excited by the 220s in a row. Are we in the podcast right now? Is this happening I right now? I, think I don't know in, if we I are. Think we are in the podcast. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. shit. All right. Yeah. Um, well, then we should talk about video games, I that's guess. That's true. That's true. So <laughs> as an update to what I talked about last week, the computer that I built... It works. Is it sick? How sick is it? It's really sick. I really am happy about it. Even though I had a, a very nerve-wracking experience last week. It is so great. Sick. It is, it is that to know, to be able to just boot up any game and know that I can just turn all the options up, at least right now. I'm sure, you know, obviously in long enough time that will no longer be true. But uh, it's pretty, pretty awesome. I've still mainly been playing Just Cause 3. And that's the kind of game that doesn't, uh, focus as much on like just absolutely crazy filters and stuff. Yeah, stuff yeah. up close. But in the just, it's unbelievable how huge the scale. It's not unbelievable because it's a thing now in games, but it feel still feels kind of unbelievable to me because you can get so much height in this game. Get that it's draw just, distance turned up to the yeah, max. It's amazing with you know with full anti aliasing and all the effects and everything. And when you <clears throat> climb up when you just steal a helicopter and climb up incredibly high and you can just see the entire island and I've noticed that the lights on really distant towns are different colors depending on whether they're 
controlled by the enemy or not. There's just little subtle things they did to sort of reflect the state of the world, even on, um, you know, even when the thing you're looking at is like, would basically be miles and miles away. Um, it's just amazing. I feel the, the scope of it is incredible. And looking over the like map, by which I mean the actual real world when you're high enough above it that it basically looks like a map and seeing like, oh, this is the effect I've had on the world there versus here. And like, I can see a bunch of red over there, which means like, that's, I got to go you, there. And if start you fly high enough up and just cause three, does it start showing you like the flow of sewage and stuff? <laughs> <laughs> That'd as well really as good. the enemy towns. Sadly, with no. your new PC, you can just see all the detail. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's the that's GeForce X-ray vision. <laughs> um, but it's really good. It's really really good. I like it a lot. Next, you'll be like downloading the mod that just hacks the LOD. You know, just to stress it more than right. what you can do right now. Sure. You know, just yeah. like loading every possible sector. Mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, for you. Actually, you know, speaking of mods, I, you know, For Chris to become the guy who has like three Fieros up on blocks in his driveway. Yeah, basically, exactly. Yeah. PCs. Just, yeah. That's what my computer was right. for almost a week after I finished building it because I, you know, when I, so when I, when I got it working, I booted it up to test something to make sure it was working. And I didn't want to like pack everything up and screw everything back in and like put it all together correctly because I'm like, well, if I have to still change something, still have to tune it up a little bit. Well, because I'm like, working maybe on it's the... not actually going to work. Who knows? <laughs> yep. uh, it did work, but then I just started playing a video game, and so I never like got to the stage where nice. I actually. So it was just in that. that this baby little... still got some untapped potential, <laughs> yeah. so I'm still still working on it, you know. But I mean, when it's done, whew. Yep. So I went. I went like five or six days. With that, we have just a little room, a little sort of office room that just I have you and your like sweaty tank top in there planned. Yeah, with like all the <laughs> the old parts, like old video card and motherboards strewn around, oh, yeah. and like holes in the computer <clears throat> where I just hadn't put plates back on it, and just it was really gross. It was a really bad room for a while. Oh, and just like a bowl of water on the ground that I'd been using to like dampen paper towels to like oh, yeah. clean the dust that Get just that, uh... pops out of the computer when you change it did um it was, yeah it was a really bad sounds scene. sounds great it wasn't <laughs> but it's fine now it's all fine as now. the sun sets and you just How the glow you? of the of the screen of you in that room playing just cause until two in the morning yeah what i that's what i think about that's that's pretty much what it was you were living in that quake three magazine ad basically mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but next speaking of mods i last week i mentioned that i wasn't actually we both sort of talked about how we weren't really sure what the reception to this game was mm. and a couple people i think in the maybe in the idle thumbs forum thread and, and maybe on twitter i think uh said something that made a lot of sense to me which is that this game really builds on a lot of what the mod community did in just cause 2 and to people who were already really into that community this game was sort of underwhelming because it felt like they had sort of mm. just used a lot of what the community to come up with, and I, I can't verify how accurate that is, but that was the impression of at least a couple people, and, th- and that totally makes sense. It does, like, just from the standpoint of someone who mainly played the first game and then played this, it did feel to me like the stuff that the mod community wanted to double that, down think, on. Yeah. yeah, I think I did mention that last week. Um, and then someone else said a thing that I, I do now agree with after playing the game for a while, which is that they lock a bunch of those upgrades behind... These kind of annoying missions you have to do. Mm. I, I kind of feel the way I do about just about any open world game, which is I always want fewer tedious missions. 
Like, however many there are, I always want fewer of them. Yeah. And and in this game particularly, the thing that it, the core thing that it does is just so great, which is just let you traverse this um, this huge great world in a really great way and take on these sort of liberation battles however you want in whatever order you want like that stuff is great it would be nice if the upgrades were inside of those i think I, right because like agree. the crazy story you told last week of going to a base that was clearly beyond your like character's level in the game but you still managed to just do it without there being any mission structure around it had in the midst of that you just found the ability to launch a second or like an additional grappling hook yeah. or something like yeah, that seems so like that's cool. that's where in, you want that to instead be. what happens <laughs> is as you uh, liberate those bases you sometimes get access to these like mini challenges that you do and then with those mini challenges you earn gears and then those gears allow you to upgrade your stuff and I just hate those things like I hate them like I don't enjoy them at all uh, and so I my guy is just bare, almost not upgraded at all because I, I find those missions to be so unfun they, yeah. they just feel like they could be in any game that has to be a nearly I mean, it, clearly, it is a nearly impossible choice to make as the as a designer of a game like Just yeah, Cause Three to say, you know, we'll we'll just assume that a player is at some point going to do this crazy balls out liberation mission. So we'll put the upgrade inside of that. It's like, well, or you put it inside of the stupid crit path thing that makes it annoying for people who are just enjoying. It's the not system. even the crit path. Forward. It's like yeah. weird. Oh, it's like yeah, it's, it's like these like challenges. Mm, I don't know. It's very no. strange. Hmm. Uh, but a thing that. Um, what was I just going to say? Oh, yeah. I, I'm not going to do this anytime soon because by the time I'm done with the game as I'm currently playing it, I'm not, I'm you know, I'm going to be done because I'm really, I'm exhausting this game, it feels like, in a good way. Uh, but a thing that a thing that would be kind of fun to try in this game would be and try and liberate the entire world map without doing a single mission. Because I think you could. Like, it doesn't seem like there's anything in the game by its nature or design that prevents you from doing that i mean you'd have less stuff but i already have unlocked i've liberated like half the map and i haven't upgraded my weapons almost at all and i only have one rope or you know grappling hook upgrade and it feels like just based on your skill as a player and your fluency with the game systems you could liberate the entire map without doing any story missions or challenges it seems like that would be totally possible unless there are hard unless there are certain <clears throat> Like, there's one place I liberated that has a crazy EMP gun that you have to do a story mission to disable. But I still liberated the place before I did that mission. I just had those <laughs> so, guns never switched over. But the rest of it was fine. Weird. So does it, like, repopulate for for the um, for the crit path missions? Does it repopulate that area with, like, enemies? For the, like, I, I don't know how the missions work. Like, does it... Is it something where it just sort of no, like, they're locks just, off an area and then... They're just mine for... I mean, the areas are... Once you liberate an area, it's yours forever. So that it, with that gun mission, then you liberated it prior to actually completing the mission. So what you just walked in to the thing that you owned and then just blew up the thing. No, like, no, that... <laughs> the, 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 that mission required you to go somewhere else and like disable a command center. Oh, like a, oh, like, oh I see. Yeah, okay. that that controlled those guns. But the way that it, it it's was like a weird. Jurassic Park style mission. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But the the weird thing about that area, which was that I liberated it and it was completely staffed by like my guys now and all the vehicles were mine and I could take any of them and fly away and it was fine. But then as soon as I lifted off in a helicopter, all those guns would immediately shoot me down. Mm. So it was they were being like controlled one... by, by uh, uh, some shithead yeah. in a bunker somewhere <laughs> yeah. else. Yeah. Yeah. It was really funny. They did a clever thing actually, which was that they do a thing in the game, which is that things that you have not yet liberated are red and the things that you have liberated are, I guess, blue. And then those guns were like, 
yellow or orange or something. And I wasn't sure what that meant when I approached the base, but it actually ends up being very useful because it's like, oh, they don't, that doesn't change even though yeah, that's all good. the mm-hmm. color scheme around it changes. Yeah. And when I say blue, I mean, I don't mean like highlighted with a shader or something like it's just, there's actually like, they get, like detail paint work on yeah, them and stuff. Right, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, it's cool. It's like I, a sprite swap. It is basically that. Um, they turn into the good guys because they're blue. True. They're true blue. Yep. Uh, so anyway, um, despite my misgivings, I still find this game to be unbelievably fun. So I'm still playing a lot. That's the main thing I've been playing. Man, cool. I'm stupidly obsessed with uh, Kylo Ren in Star Wars having a blue palette swapped one named Rilo Ken. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that exists already, but that's all that I want. Because if yeah. it was a fighting, like he looks like a Mortal Kombat character, and yeah, there right. is just and his I mean, name already swaps to sounding kind of well, like Ryu Ken. When I heard the name Snoke, <laughs> I thought of the Mortal Kombat character Smoke. Oh man, <laughs> so, so, yeah. you can fully create the Star Wars. The, 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 the Star Wars. Star Wars Episode Seven is just fucking itching to be turned into a shitty right. like motion well, capture yeah. sprite or sprite <laughs> capture like uh, Midway or is it Midway that made Mortal Kombat? Yes, yeah, yeah fighting yeah. game. Yeah. If I mean, it's too bad that we're post Star Wars expanded universe because Kylo Ren and Rilo Ken is like classic expanded oh, yeah. universe bullshit. Oh, that's like Luke. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, it's a definite it's a definite Luke situation. Yeah. 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 Um bigger Ren. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh Oh man, my my new PC Seg. When I used yeah, I was there was so there was a period happen. from about 2005 to 2010 or 11 where whenever I built a new PC, the thing that I always used to test it out was Half-Life 2. Oh, and yeah. that is my that is my seg into Half Life Two or Half Life Two Lost Levels or, or Lost, oh, Lost, Lost Coast. Coast Lost Coast. It started off as I'd always play Half Life Two, turned all the way up. I did the exact same thing because for I just loved I loved the atmosphere of the beginning of Half Life Two, and then yeah. Lost Coast became yeah. a really nice tech demo because it, it was the it first thing HDR, that did HDR stuff. Yeah. yeah, downloads faster. You know, it's yeah, the thing you go it's, to it's just. <laughs> Well, you can eventually it you just I got. Say, I just bring my Steam drive over right. immediately after installing the display drivers. Yeah. Load up whatever source game. I even though I owned Crisis for a while, I never like I I still didn't ever believe that my PC was going to be sick enough to run it. So I just <laughs> didn't run Crisis. Also, just I like fully believed all that. You don't have the most powerful. I could never run Ultra Mode of Crisis, and who wants to run Doom Three in Ultra Mode? No one. But like, I always loved the beginning of Half Life Two, so I would always play that on my new PC. And I I was sad like around 2011 or 12 when I got a new PC and was like Half Life Two is not gonna really not gonna show me anything. It's gonna look the same as it did it's, in my other yeah computer. on my last right. on my last like three builds. Half Life Two is gonna look the it same. It was extra 40 frames um, though. Surely by now there's some kind of like fan thing that that turns oh, yeah. Half Life Two opening into fucking Crisis Three. Yeah, probably level. not. Because yeah. I mean, if you I mean if you look at Portal Two, that's like as far as you could probably ever push that engine. It, it seems like that's true. People did make that weird Half Life Two like texture pack that also replaced the music with Batman music. <laughs> Do you guys remember this? <laughs> what? There was this really this was there's this fan project that really bummed me out, which was to <laughs> oh, it put like, like Christopher Nolan Batman music, yeah, like Hans which Zimmer, was to like up-res oh, Half Life Two. So they repainted a bunch of textures. I think it was and, a lot of photo source stuff. I yeah, think, but of, then it, all the music turned into. Stuff, yeah, why would you change actual creative <laughs> choice? Like, I understand. Okay, let's take the art direction that exists and and make it look like a, a sort of more accurate expression of that to the best we can. But then also the music is just going to be more badass. Like, why would you do that? Why would you? Do I that? felt the same way actually about Black Mesa's Source, which was the yeah, take, Source too. Engine remake of Half Life One, where it felt like 
the music was well executed, but it felt like they just were trying to change it into something that sounded more, more cinematic. like quote unquote modern or cinematic or, yeah. in a way that was like that doesn't benefit what Half Life is for me. So on that note, it's interesting that Valve is now uh, blessing fan mods and letting them go up in uh, on on Steam. I mean that happened first with um, with Black Mesa, which was the fan remake of Half Life One in the Source Engine. You can get that from Steam. I don't know if you can get it for money. I don't know if it costs, but I don't remember. But Valve is getting further and further into this because uh, fans have now like because that was like okay, this is your your sort of cute fan project where you've upresed Half Life One, yeah, um, using our engine. But now they're they've uh, allowed two more things to go up. One of which is a fan made sequel to Half Life Opposing Force, uh, and that is going up to Steam. And then also. Sven Co-op, which is the popular uh, Half-Life Co-op mod, <laughs> is going up onto Steam as well, which is crazy to me. Um, what is that? I have not. It's looked, just Co-op Half-Life. <clears throat> I think that it's man. I don't know if it was if it started with Half-Life One or Half-Life Two, but uh, I think it's just. There's there's versus maps and also play through the campaign co-op and I think it's just a, huh. it was like the 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 like most popular to the point of being canonical right co-op experience inside of Half Life. Um, um, but by the way, Black Mesa is 1999 and and still in early access. Okay, um, so I, I I suspect that the uh, that the opposing force sequel is going to cost money. Mm-hmm. Also, there was that portal fan mod which i don't know what what that oh, yeah. state is but it's oh the the one the <clears throat> that, uh, that i played a, a while back yeah uh i can't remember its name it was research like, and development no it was no. called like it was named after a different whatever the protagonist of their portal story was mm-hmm. um i think it might have been called portal stories i talked about it like a few months back oh portal stories mel yeah that's right oh, yeah. Yeah. um it's interesting that valve is just fully going for it with this stuff uh and uh, I'm well, a- no, they they fully went for it, and then now they're going for it in a sort of off to the side way, right? I mean, like because they had that they paid mods up, okay, okay, and that was a huge initiative, and they're like, mm, maybe we'll just You're do right, this okay. in well, a more so, professional so way. Valve's Valve's yeah. relationship, actually, let's, uh, going back further, Valve's relationship with modders mm. has has existed in many many forms, yeah. right? Because like Team Fortress for Quake, they hired that team mm. up, which became Team Fortress Two. But in the meantime, before Team Fortress Two shipped. People from that team, most notably Robin Walker, have worked on a ton of stuff that Valve has made. Yeah. Um, Dota came from a mod. Counter Strike came from a mod. Portal Two came from a mod. I mean, Basically, Dota's came- weird because Dota came from. Dota was a Valve initiated, standalone full sequel to a game that separately had been made as a mod that Valve had nothing to do with whatsoever. That's true of Team Fortress, though. Team Fortress Two is a sequel to Team Fortress, a Quake mod. That's true. Everyone play. Everyone thinks yeah. that Team Fortress Two is. Like Team Fortress, classic, Team Fortress Classic, Team Fortress yeah. Classic, but Team mm-hmm. Fortress Classic was named that because that team was making Team Fortress Two at the time, yeah, and right. released Team Fortress Classic as like a fun other thing. I think that that, that feels like no, it was, you're right. you're right, but um, yeah, Counter Strike is the clo- is the one that was always in the Valve family because it started as a Half Life mod, um, and then the more mod- the most modern version of that iteration of Valve was when they hired the Tag the Power of Paint team, but Tag the Power of Paint was a student game that was like a that was not. A mod that was a, a yeah that was closer to a narbnacular drop was, going to Portal One and right. tag the power of paint going to Portal Two, uh, 
But then, yeah, then then that sort of mutated weirdly into Steam Marketplace, where you can mm-hmm. make levels and content that you can sell <clears throat> or accept donations for. And then, yeah, they tried to mod- mutate that into paid mods in combination with Bethesda for Skyrim, which fucking blew up in their face. Yep. And now, though, it's if you're a mod team making like narrative content, like a, inside of our IP, you can just sell it. Which makes it feel like it's like a weirdly blessed canonical story. Yeah. Like I don't. Was is the guy's name Adrian Shepard? Is that yeah. his name? Yeah, the, yep. sounds like the yeah. opposing force guy. Like I don't know. I'm I'm of many minds on this because as a, as a big old Half Life nerdo who also like used to make mods, I think <clears> it's really cool that people are doing these projects, and I think that it's also cool of Valve to let them put them up in a marketplace, but it also really bums me out for just... Some they're random... Just, they're just not to my taste, personally, yeah. I don't think. Like, I... You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of the, like, um, extreme third-party uh, expansion pack uh, It's like, thing. Duke, you know, Duke like, it out in DC. Well, yeah, exactly, yeah. Or or in Half-Life's case, there was the... Um, there was Opposing Force, but then there was the other... Um, there was Blue Shift. Blue Shift, right, which I think... I never played, but I think that was not well-received, and that was no, that wasn't. was an external team, but right? Even, so. But Opposing Force was Gearbox, I mean... Opposing... Oh, that's true. Oh, hi, Siri. I leaned on my phone just now, so... <laughs> um, it... Both Opposing Force and Blue Shift still feel like they had Valve people who were looking at them. Mm. I mean, like, Arcane was working on um, a Half-Life 2 version of this that was called, I think, Return to Ravenholm. And that, oh, was, yeah. that was killed. Yeah. Um, Which in, actually, a bunch of video of that just got released. In a way that Blue Shift was rather. not. Blue Shift, Blue Shift was, I think, sort of smothered in its sleep and then brought back as a little piece of free content, if I remember correctly. Because Blue right. Shift was supposed to be like... The cool addition to like the Dreamcast version, or there were, I don't remember the details of it. I remember Blue Shift was was a thing, and then it and then it was made not a thing. Yeah. Um, and Valve's done that too. Like there was there were some Counter Strike versions that were also destroyed, but this feels different to that because there is not a person inside of Valve who is guiding this, or or there's no real these people. I am I don't think have like brand guidelines or the sort of story team who shepherded the original games. It's just like. We think this is what this story is, and Valve saying that's fine. Just put that up. Um, and it, it's it's just a, a strange, strange situation because it makes like I, I say it's a strange situation only because I, as a person who loves all those old games, um, still want Valve to make them. <laughs> and I look at these and go, "Oh, yeah. is this going to actually end up?" merging into just taking the place of that stuff inside of Valve's mind or do they or is this more like if the Star Wars expanded universe was opened to fans and then when they finally decide that they're going to make the new one they just say okay Half-Life and Legends. these are erased <laughs> right. you know because uh, I don't know where they can land in my brain as just a totally in all honesty mega fan of that world and of those and of the stories inside of it i mean i mean oh sorry just real quick like on the steam uh marketplace like does it does it explicitly say uh like fan pro- or you know what i mean is there anything that actually denotes that it's that it's something that's not you that's know, developed internally by sure, valve sure. or does it just say from valve software and developer <laughs> it does like, not say from valve software anyway well, i mean published by like valve or it whatever no. say i think it, i think it'll no? have okay. them whatever the mod team is as a developer and publisher okay. except that it just, without any, they don't have to say it's Schmorden Schmeeman or whatever. It just like this <laughs> is just okay. this is yeah. Black Mesa Research Site. You are 
Gordon or you are Adrian Shepard or whatever, you know. Right. Um, I mean, the stuff is this is this kind of thing, and Jake, your sort of internal conflict over it is going to just become more common, more complicated because we have now things like publishers sort of officially allowing sale and like de facto licensing of fan fiction through mm. you know like a sort of pseudo publish publishing arm that they have i mean there are things like yeah this like all of like like alloy publishing i think has a big that's they yeah. do a bunch of ya series right they and, let they let fan authors publish kindle books inside of that universe mm-hmm and um, inside of their universes, yeah, a, and a, you know, a lot of fan communities on the internet are really uh, have a huge amount of investment in things like uh, fan fiction and yeah, yeah I don't their own, like no, I'm I don't have any issues. I'm not with arguing any of those with things. you. I'm just saying like it it makes this stuff weird. Like it's I find hard it surprising. To know how to re- it's hard to know like should I receive this the same way that I receive you know like the next Half Life game from Valve. I guess in that it's just a thing someone made, but it's also like could be sort of contradicted at any moment, I guess. Or yeah, like... Val- Valve's the, the thing that I think <clears throat> makes it strange for me is Valve's choice to let their sort of laissez-faire attitude about all this stuff apply to this as well. It feels different that they're not saying, okay, everyone can do this, but here's the guidelines or here's the imprint. Mm. That you have to put this under. Yeah, that's true. That there's not like and sort of this one team happens or like, to have. Yeah, this, like they yeah. they have early access, but then they don't also have. These are like, this is a fan imprint of of like, this universe. Basically. I guess the reason for that is that Valve doesn't. Valve does probably doesn't have enough property that they that there's any real pressure for them to. Like there, there aren't enough cases like this that are all bubbling up that they need to institutionally address it. It's true, although. So more eh, just... But think about this: there's Half Life One, Two, Episode Two and Three, Portal One and Two. That's six or seven. I just lost count. Canonical Valve games in this universe, and now there is um, Black Mesa Source, Portal Stories Mel, Sven Co-op, and Opposing Force Two. That's already they've got five non-Valve released, released games in this universe on sale in their store and like seven Valve released ones on sale in their store. The, the number of ones that are not made by them is going at this rate going to outnumber the canonical Valve releases in a year or two years. Yeah, and then like they've, sh- I hope they mention something or it's going to be very, it'll, yeah. we'll get to the situation That's where true. people are like, oh, I don't play those old ones. <laughs> and then I don't know what I'm going to do with myself. I'm going to just have to die of old age when that, when that happens. Uh, yeah, no, it's true. It is. It is weird. I don't. It doesn't. I don't feel like I know what this stuff all means exactly, and I don't think that the world does either currently. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Valve also probably of all companies is least likely to decide that they do have to care or figure it out until it becomes unmanageable. Right. And then they'll sort of just do something. Let's kind of go. Ah, then, it's yeah, fine. Yeah. We're still making money off all of and it. And then they'll yeah. then they'll fix whatever they did. Yeah, it's twice, and then it'll be fine. Yeah, I yeah, it's true. I feel like I shouldn't care about it really, but I do, and I don't know what to do about that because, like, I love that people love this stuff enough that they make games that they go to the degree. I think you should post on the Steam forums. of making a video game about it, and I love that Valve supports the, those people's enthusiasm to like mm-hmm. take a thing that they love and turn it into an actual the experience of developing and shipping a game. Like that's f- fucking hardcore, but I also get squirmy about it. Yeah. There's something funny about Valve where it feels like so many of the things that Valve does and the things that drive people's 
uh, interactions with Valve, if the people in question are people who are, you know, trying to make creative works, I guess, is are just like, it, it feels like Valve has, you can apply to work at Valve, but then there's also these like dozen other shadow ways to like passive aggressive, passively aggressively apply to Valve where, you know what I mean? Like it, when I see stuff like this, it's like, oh man, I wonder if these people are basically just hoping that the end result of this is Valve just acquires them lock, stock, and barrel. Apparently, and that was I, I think with the with the opposing force thing. I think that that was oh maybe this isn't it. God, one of the things sort of orbiting this conversation was functionally that was someone being like, "Look what I made," and they're like, "That's really cool." Yeah, yeah, that's the <laughs> wind <laughs> sound. Anyway, you want to sell it on Steam? Right. Uh, I, uh yeah, yes, I do. Yeah. I guess that's what I want. I don't know if that's what I wanted when I made it, but now it's it's that's what was offered to me, so that's happening. <laughs> yeah, that. What is it's a it's a strange it's a strange strange ecosystem because it feels like the sort of like weird cold hand of libertarian capitalism, but it's all about enthusiasm and allowing people to enable themselves to do the things they're excited about. It's a strange yeah, it's a strange thing. I mean, that in itself, that is kind of what's going on just in the world at large, right? That's why I brought up other communities. Like, so much of the way that sort of pop culture and entertainment and consumerism works now is, like, whatever makes you happy. Like, whatever you think makes you happy. But, like, as long as it's in the service of, like, reinforcing our brands. <laughs> so and, it's basically like, extrapolating yeah. the existence of credit cards to everything. It's like, you want a couch? Fine! Buy a fucking couch. Buy a car. You can do it. We're going to make a shitload of money off of your enthusiasm for doing that. And uh, as opposed to before these... these uh, before the institution of that existed, you were not going to be able to do that. But we'll just we'll just enable you to do anything that you fucking possibly can in a way that makes sure that it gives us a percentage off of off right. of your enthusiasm. Yeah, even if it's just sort of a percentage of mindshare or investment, which obviously yep. eventually hopefully turns into dollars, I guess. But like, it, this is this stuff is very difficult to talk about and consider because on the one hand, it's really not fair to like individually criticize or condemn any any person's like enthusiasm or creative energy around a thing that they love. But in the aggregate, it is kind of weird that so much that there, there is just kind of like this clearly very intentionally encouraged like mentality of people um, in like on mass creating derivative works that feed into like corporate owned properties. Yep. I think we, we talked about this actually a little bit. We touched on this when we were talking about either that portal mod or about black Mesa but the thing that I always am reminded of is uh, is specifically the Vampire Diaries, which is that Aloy mm-hmm. books property. They put up the fan fiction thing, and then the, the creator of that series yeah. right. came yes. back and start, she just started writing now, I guess, blessed yeah, because works. because she couldn't write officially. Yeah, she was kicked out of her yeah. own book series, then started writing again in Kindle Words. And that makes me wonder if maybe we'll see uh, Kim Swift's portal <laughs> stories uh, up <laughs> The Portal 2 I would have made before I left Valve uh, up for sale in the Valve store. Well, did you guys see that um, that Mark Laidlaw, the writer of Half like, like writer of Half Life since the first Half Life game, left Valve? I mean, seemingly oh, yeah. on completely amicable terms because hmm. he just wanted to do something else. Maybe he'll write Maybe. a book called Half Life Three and publish it through yeah, Valve's yeah, Kindle <laughs> Words imprint. Yeah. <laughs> Steam words. Steam thoughts. Steam Thoughts is the VR version of Steam Words where you just think things and then they go into a hell right. in your brain. Mark Laidlaw's yeah. Half-Life 3, If I Did It. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. 
Speaking of VR, Jake, did you try a Vive? Spe- I heard you wow, tried a, that was a I heard gold, you tried a Vive. That was a golden segue. Speaking of VR, did you try a Vive? <laughs> I did try a Vive. Have either of you guys used a Vive? I don't think so. The thing that we did a few months ago wasn't a Vive, was it? Was that a Vive? I think it was an Oculus thing. <laughs> really? The one in <laughs> the room? Good. The one that was the whole Oh, room? no, that, yeah, yeah. Jesus. <laughs> I've never had Siri talk to me before today. Siri is waking up. Um, yeah, no, the one that you tried was a Vive. The one, the the, the, the Valve HTC one, uh, it's like... I like that there's so many now that we don't know what we've tried. Vive is like... like <laughs> which helmet did you so try? So explain what a Vive is. A Vive is a VR headset like an Oculus, but... Vive. Um, vive le vive. Um, but it has... Vive le vive. It, ha- it has... Uh, <laughs> two cameras up on poles at the at the extents of your room which allows it to do positional tracking within the sort of if you put the two cameras up and then draw a square from and they're sort of opposing corners anything inside of that space any position that you're in as well as the position of the, the controllers and your two hands are tracked to an insane level of detail um which makes for a a crazy experience that I've not like I've used an Oculus headset a couple times and I've used like uh, PlayStation VR and Google cardboard or whatever, but the Vive, it was the first time that I actually used one of these things and forgot where I was and then felt really ashamed of myself. (laughs) Um, uh, I played a couple of, I played a couple of demos, which I think are available to anyone who has a Vive or at least they've been at events. There's a, um, there's a demo that is in the portal universe where you're in like a portal, you're in like an Aperture Sciences like maintenance shop and one of the droids comes in and you like pull open its guts and then have to fiddle with it. But then crazy shit starts happening and all the panels come off the wall and GLaDOS shows up. Mm-hmm. Um, oh man, that you saying that makes me actually really want to try that because of the panels off the wall thing. The the panel, this is so dumb, but the, <laughs> the way that panels come off walls in portal game i guess mainly portal 2 right is, yeah yeah is such is so um it's one of those just like object interactions like physical material kind of just creative ideas that is so potent like the way that they do it is always so incredibly powerful i know and it and you describing that like what, like turning my head and watching that happen around me now i just want to yeah it's that. great because you're you're in you know the the vibe is built to like i think their ideal situation is that you have a living room in your house where you can sort of kick the ottoman out of the way and then walk around and right. have a vibe type space it feels very, that it feels house. very optimistic to me given all the people who i know um like maybe in if they can get the price down in suburbia it will work but it is one of those things where it's like city living and like people who are don't have just big american houses i don't know how this is going to hold up but as an immersive experience it's incredible and yeah like the because it starts that you're in a little like workshop with all sorts of little like tool drawers that you can pull out and fiddle with and you know walls filled with reel-to-reel tape recorders that you can get up close to but then since it's in aperture sciences it does the the thing that portal 2 especially loves yeah where you're this tiny room all the walls fall away and you can just see off into infinity and there's that portal to blue sort of smoke and just pipes and conduits and weird like welding robots way off in the distance and it's it's fucking cool and of course like the floor starts falling out from under you because it's vr um <laughs> there was another valve demo that was the secret shop from dota and it just looks like you're inside of like great. the most elaborate fantasy land ride in the world um hmm. and then the other thing that i used was tilt brush which is a tool by two ex double fine programmers who started a company called hackett and skillman mm-hmm. or skillman Patrick. and hack yeah, Patrick Patrick Hackett and Drew Skillman. Yeah, they um, they uh, 
left Double Fine and started their own company to make VR prototyping or make crazy VR prototypes. Then they got acquired by Google. But Tilt Brush was their most realized program, and it's a VR painting tool. And it's it's insane because you there's there's videos of this like people have seen the like the videos of like Disney animators using it to draw like a 3D version of the Little Mermaid. Um, but again, that that coupled with the Vive where you're inside of this room and there's just you can you can walk around freely, uh, and then as you if you press a button on the controller, you can just draw a line in 3D space and sort of go in and out of your sculpture. Or you're, it's not it's not even sculpting; it is just sort of painting brushstrokes in 3D space. It felt insane. I drew a really gross, shitty Sonic the Hedgehog. It's really it's really really cool. But um, all that I was thinking about when I was using the Vive is that I want theme park attractions to use mm. this technology mm-hmm. like once once you could have the vr headset of the vive or and and spatial tracking of this stuff but without the cord which i'm sure we're a long fucking ways off from because the amount of data going in and out of that headset is huge it seems inevitable that people who do big immersive experiences will start doing things like just building the set out of black box right and then inside of the headset you're drawing whatever the hell you want um well presumably in a theme park setting you could ha- like imagine you had a um, a ride like Star Tours or something where you go into a big room and everyone sits down in their own chair like movie theaters style. But you all just you put a headset have, on. Yeah, yeah, you could have just like the airplane like oxygen mask style drop down where they're still connected with a cord. Yeah. You could also you do know. something where you're in like a haunted mansion style uh, omni mover attraction, but instead of being in a car, everyone just gets. Uh, an eight foot square walkable space with railings around the sides. <laughs> right. And you just have the cord going up into the roof and mm. you'd be, you'd probably be okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, uh, it's, I, it was a strange experience to actually forget when I was playing that aperture sciences thing, who else was in the room and what I was, you know, and where I was like my brain actually bought it in a way that it has not, using other VR stuff. That's cool. But the amount of infrastructure required to make that happen was fucking crazy. I mm-hmm. had to be in a room that just had its floor cleared out, mm-hmm. and I had a huge thing strapped to my head that was running on a gigantic PC, and there were two cameras in the corners filming me at all times. And, like, as opposed to, like, the PlayStation VR, which feels more like the Wii Remote equivalent of VR, where it's, like, a big plastic... Right. A big plastic thing that looks like like a... You know, like almost like the density of like a foam hat that someone would give you at a sports game or something, and you just like slap it on your head and it works. But it's not the same. It's it's not the same as as sure. that. Like I'm inside of a place that I where I forgot that I have friends. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where your friends Unlike now. Here Jake. on the Adult Thumbs podcast, yeah. But also those never forget that. Also, um, man, that. That Aperture demo especially made me bummed that we're not seeing AAA uh, narrative experiences out of Valve anymore because I feel like Portal 2 was like, for all of its gameplay issues that I'm not super, that I I have mixed feelings about a lot of Portal 2's gameplay stuff, but from a presentation standpoint, you could feel them just like pushing the walls of the the Half-Life 2 Source engine to the point that it almost broke, but like, man... Like your your description, Chris, of the of the wall panels f- going off and on, you know that what they wanted to do was let you be inside of a test chamber and have it just rip itself apart and completely rebuild itself as a different level. But obviously, mm. they, they just the tech was clearly not there on in Portal One. But like, I want a company with that level of presentational finesse to 
continue to be doing the things that they're doing at like the top of the technic of the technical game. Yeah. And seeing the little glimpses of clearly their content team is out there doing stuff, but right. it's in service of like these tech demos for this thing that right. they're this VR headset they're partnering with with HTC. I'm like, oh, you're still I there's signs of life. Like there it's, it's there. <laughs> I, I I touched yeah. it. I was yeah. oh, oh man. The the ultimate troll and I'm so glad they did not do it was would be to have a Vive Half-Life demo because they already have a fucking portal of Dota demos. The the G-Man is like fading in and out around you. Yeah, like, oh man, gross. Or like you're in the stupid room, uh, but it's a train. Oh, Oh, man. The Black Mesa train. (laughs) The, uh, that, that like New York Times, um, Google cardboard demo I described a couple weeks ago where you're like floating up into the air and yeah. celebrities are just lounging around you. That, but they're all the G-Man. They're all the they're G-Man. Just everyone's a G-Man. Yeah. Sultrily gazing at you yeah. with sultry glances. Yeah, weird. <laughs> well, you guys want to take a break? Sure. Video game. This episode of Idle Thumbs is brought to you by Squarespace. Squarespace makes it incredibly fast and incredibly easy to make your own website, portfolio, blog, or online store. You can get started without putting in a credit card. And if you go to squarespace.com and use the promo code THUMBS, you will get 10% off your first order. And if you sign up for a year, you get a free domain name as well. So you get everything you need uh, just to get your website up and running within minutes after you go to the website and start putting it together. We have an email from Tim who writes, Hey guys, I used your Squarespace discount to get a year and I went a bit overboard and made it my full-time project. I present to you Cyber Hippie Collective. Um, And he links to his website, which is cyberhippie.co. He says that it is a joyful indie game studio in the making and a collaborative workspace for online and local game developers based in Poznan, Poland. I'll be organizing weekly events, streaming, and creating a basis for a creative community. So yeah, cyberhippie.co shows what you can do very quickly on Squarespace. You can get your site up and running, get a domain name if you sign up for a year, and get 10% off, all if you go to squarespace.com and use the promo code THUMBS. 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 Thanks, Squarespace. Video This episode of Vital Thumbs is also brought to you by Harry's. Harry's sells high quality razors and all sorts of shaving equipment online and sent straight to your door. Um, I have been using Harry's for a while and I realized as I was starting to do this ad that I am, I have not used it recently enough uh, (laughs) because in the run up to shipping a game, which is happening uh, at the old day job. I have grown a big, gross beard. And so I am really looking forward to getting back into the shaving habit. And um, I am going to do that within a day from now using my Harry's equipment, no less. (laughs) Nice. Yep. The website is really well put together, really easy to use. And it makes it very, very straightforward to just order more blades, order more shaving cream or shaving gel. There are not like... 8 million different, slightly differently named uh, razor variants that have 
different numbers of blades and different this and that. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just a website that you can go to that has the actual stuff you need and you can place recurring orders or normal orders and they just come to your door and it's like incredibly straightforward and is really just the actual thing that you need. Um, so I have got my new blade refill and I am going to use it post haste. Um, if you go to harrys.com, H-A-R-R-Y-S.com and use the promo code thumbs, you can get $5 off your first order, which will help if you want to pick up the starter set that just comes with all the stuff you need to get started shaving. That's harrys.com with the promo code thumbs. Sweet. Mm -hmm. Video game. God, I'm looking at Larry David's face and it's reminding me that I was watching a video. It was just like a news video for 90 seconds, just a whatever, Trump, blah, blah, blah. I don't remember even what site I was on, but it was using the Curb Your Enthusiasm theme all throughout it. You know, the, the Italian <laughs> yeah. whatever. Boom, boom, yeah. Boom, and <laughs> it wasn't even really very appropriate to the video. But the way that the <laughs> that the news anchor like tied it in was at the end of the video. They they're just like, so this is a crazy political season, but don't curb your enthusiasm. <laughs> and that was the end of the video. Oh no! <laughs> it was just, oh no! It was just ninety wow. seconds of just like, I wonder why they're using this music, and then they just like, oh, I got those. Wing. Got the name of that? Sh yeah. Hmm. Curb your enthusiasm has now gone from being just kind of a weird obscure yeah. thing to something that is known enough that it can be used in just non-jokes by exactly in, like news anchor humor is its own brand of just bullshit like it's it's this thing that they all feel like they have to do right but it's nothing it's not yeah. ever funny or good it's funny to them but not really I they pretend that, their, their inflection is yeah. that it's it's, it's like hilarious the news to like themselves jo jokes among news anchors are like the flare in uh, in office space in the mm. like fast casual restaurant. Right. That's it's like the thing that the, that you have to do in your job to be fun, but nobody's convinced by your bullshit. Yeah, there's probably there's in that analogy that other guy who's really into all that shit. That guy also exists in the newscaster that's, world. That's true. Yes, definitely. Yeah, that's why news mistakes videos are the best. When the veneer is like yeah. peeled away, and they're like, "Oh, I'm you just a get a bunch of like angry people screaming me. at things or <laughs> fucking up." That's why those videos are like unbeatable. Video games. Hey everyone! Oh hi! Oh, oh man! We're back. We are. Chris, you want to talk about video games? Yeah, I played a couple games. I heard that you've played at least a couple of video games. I have. I have. I played Oxenfree. Uh, I, I actually didn't play Oxenfree. I watched, uh, I watched Sarah play all the way through Oxenfree, and we did it in one sitting. It Whoa! Was, yeah, um, four or five hours, maybe <laughs> I would say. Yeah, it's it's a kind of game that I that is difficult to I think talk about a lot because it is basically the whole thing is like a story that happens and conversations you have. There are mechanical elements to it, but they're very, they're very, very light. There's mm -hmm. like, you play as a teen who has gone to this like small, weird, barely populated island for this yearly kind of high school tradition party on this island. But this year, only five of you end up making it out instead of the dozens that usually make it. 
and creepy things start happening. And over the course of the game, you just have constant conversations with these other, you know, these other teens as you're figuring out what's going on and as you're also just talking about teen stuff. How, the way dialogue works in Oxenfree is notable in some way, but I don't have a complete grasp on it other than people are talking about it. Um, it's, uh, you can basically have, if you talk about something because you see it in the world, you can do that whenever, even if there's already another conversation going on. And you will just interrupt whoever is talking as that's happening. And a really impressive thing is that when you're done with the sort of interjected conversation, very frequently the other person will be like, anyway, so like I was saying before, blah, 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 blah. So it tries to sort of stitch that stuff together? Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah, they must have recorded a ton of these little bridges because there were cases where we interrupted the same topic like three times and each time there was a there was still a unique like so anyway again bubble you know it's that's it's, cool it's so just really keeping a, a big flow of conversation going over the top of the game is a big thing in that then yeah yes it is and um is that whole game just on one depth plane is it like uh-huh. a si- side scrolling it's, it's, so si- it's a, basically it's essentially side scrolling yeah. okay yeah um it's you know 3d models but but on it with 2d painted backgrounds and like night in the woods play. or something like that I haven't played that. I'm sorry. Okay. I don't know if it's out yet. Um, but uh it's 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 really good and it's it's a very sort of playable experience, which I which I say because it feels like there is a strain of game design right now that is trying to figure out how to make games that are primarily story driven, um not just uh, sort of Dear Esther style walk around while you receive mm. a story. Mm-hmm. Um, not that there's anything wrong with with Dear Esther, but there's definitely clearly a desire, in, especially among indie developers, to figure to like solve this actually incredibly difficult problem of if you have if your game is not fundamentally based on a repeating gameplay loop, but you still want to have gameplay in it, but you don't want to have combat or sort of like literalized physical conflict how do you do that how do you sustain that for hours it's actually really hard and you know it's something that we've tried to solve in firewatch you know jake and i working on firewatch have tried to solve that um and this team clearly also had that goal um you know a game like gone home um tries to solve that and it everyone kind of comes down to it in a different way i think um but it does seem like there's a commonality which is that a lot of the problems that game develop game teams would typically solve with systems you have to solve with just more content mm-hmm. like that that seems to be a common thread to these kinds of games is that a lot of the things t- to make them feel systemic you have to generate a lot more sort of redundant content and that you know that's true of all games there are a lot of there are a lot of really system heavy games that behind the scenes have a lot of just sort of copy and paste s- style stuff going on but when all those pieces of content have to be a character who cannot repeat themselves ever or they sound broken, um, it it kind of just means you have to generate an absolute ton of stuff to not break the illusion. And I think that's why a lot of these games end up coming down to like low single digit number of hours in length, because it's it's just almost impossible for a small team to put together a 20 hour game that has that seamless feeling and enough redundant content to make it all like 
dense and so uh, so it feels like there's any possibility space at all when you're inside of that few number yeah, of hours yeah, yeah exactly like for it to feel like a responsive game that is standing up to sort of players being video game players you know which is the opposite of a traditional adventure game which like there is one way generally to solve this puzzle and if you aren't solving the puzzle the game is essentially stopped like the yeah adventure games are usually like pause. you're stumbling around in a dark room for 20 minutes until you find the door Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As opposed to, this is a room that has thirty doors out of it, and a player's only going to be in this room for a minute, and then they're going to walk out of one of those thirty doors that we've built. Yeah. And wh- and one of exactly, and 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 along with that, that sort of like, um, kind of openness to what the player is trying to do, it means that these games also generally don't tend to have puzzles in them, or at least not traditional lock and key puzzles, which is interesting because interesting because that was the other than dialogue, that was the one mechanic that story first games actually had in them. And these games typically don't have like puzzly puzzles that you have to solve. I like that. Um, I'm super, super, super curious to see what the hell the witness is as a video game. Oh my God. Yeah. Because the witness, I am so excited for the witness. I can't tell you because the witness is, looks like it's, I mean, I mean the witness it, is only it's like a puzzle hell. The witness yeah. looks, except that they have multiple voice actors, so there's some there's yeah. some something and in it. I don't know what that is. And, and yeah. I love that I don't know what that is. I know. I love that this game has been in development for essentially a, a million years and like <laughs> it's like seven years right or something like that yeah and so maybe it's not seven when did braid come out a while ago a long time ago yeah it might have it might be seven years maybe? yeah okay Woo. um 2007 maybe and uh seven I, yeah. I i love that yeah it must be two, of course 2005 is when the xbox 360 came out so that's not it it must be seven or eight yeah anyway braid but i i love that that game is coming out within a week and I don't know why there are so many voice actors credited to it. And I don't, you know, like, and, and, and all the only puzzles in it I've seen in the whole game are those fucking little line things. But everyone who's played it is like, so, no, the puzzles in this game are incredible. So I clearly, don't I, know I read a little bit is. or I watched a video that talked about the, the, the line entry things in the witness. And those are basically, those are apparently not, at least not always the puzzles themselves. Those are the answer sheet for the puzzles. So there are mm. things in the world that happen and the way that you tell the game, I understand what the space around me means or I understand mm. what the relationship between these two objects means is I'm going to go, aha, these things behave in a way that means that if I draw a line from the bottom left to the top right of this box, the game knows that I've internalized the meaning of this other device. So oh, it's, man. it's See, I already regret you telling me that. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, no, it's fine. It's that, totally fine. That's the thing that made me understand the, why there is a game. But right. sorry, I'm sorry. Wit- no, 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 no. Witness okay. spoiler. I don't want to. No, I don't want to be like a overly sensitive spoiler person. I just the fact that they've so successfully <laughs> kept any aspect of what it means to play this game under wraps for this long is so exciting sure to me. i also could be completely off in that that was yeah, that sounds that's, plausible that, that's that's yeah, whatever it doesn't matter but i'm excited to play this game yeah that sorry for giving you any no, information that's, that's okay i mean and if it turns out that this game actually has some kind of substantial story and narrative then i guess it will be another answer to how to do this although probably one that will not be as easily replicated by anyone else <laughs> right <laughs> one be jonathan blow two yeah. spend seven plus years working right. on a weird mist island yeah i'm I, yeah i mean it's a bummer that mist has a reputation for just being a bunch of obtuse puzzles which it is a well-deserved reputation but it's too bad that the other stuff that mist did yeah i think maybe sort of in a way that is less susceptible to um being dated is just the creation of just 
a weird, strange world with properties that you have to discover. That's actually not you'd think also, that would be in really that common era, in games, but it's not. Yeah, just a sedate world too. Just That's also where true. It, yeah, there aren't crazy things happening at yeah. all. It's just like crickets. Yeah, it's and, true. And a very... even, even advent, most adventure games at the times, yep. like didn't have crazy mechanics but they may often had wacky jokes and characters all the time yep. even the like serious adventure games very they frequently often also tried tried to make time. you feel like you were in a thrilling high stakes adventure like i mean obviously the go-to for that is like indiana jones and the fate of atlantis right. or the broken sword games or uh like a lot of tim schaefer's stuff like full mm-hmm. throttle and grim fandango or like right. some guy could show up and fucking shoot you right mm-hmm. like whereas yeah mist for all of its suspiciousness in its actual puzzle construction the way that that world feels obviously grabbed people in a way that is unique mist was with the best-selling game until the sims right or something like that it was, yeah. it was so high on the list um and i never really enjoyed playing mist but i enjoyed being inside of mist so i'm really looking yeah. forward to the witness where i think that i will enjoy being in that world and yeah. playing it in a way that is i'm glad i played mist as a child because i didn't know any better about what was good or bad about yeah it. exactly you know what i mean like yeah. i just was sort of taken by the magic of it and i as a as a kid playing you know as a kid who didn't have i didn't have parents who would buy me video games or video game systems so the only games i could play were pc games that friends would let me copy basically i wonder if my response and so but as a result real quick as a result of that games had an incredible amount of scarcity to me Mm -hmm. and so just like the idea of being frustrated or like stuck was not something that whatever have occurred to me right. as a negative because it's not like I had something else to move on to. Well, see, it occurred to me, except that I was just so used to that in games around that time. That may, also, that may have been just, the case just for me. Incredibly, being, being incredibly frustrated was just like, oh, that's just every game. That's and I need to like, read the strategy guide. Oh, okay. Like, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. What yeah. Oh, just, I, wonder, I wonder if our age difference, even though it is small now, was great. since it was greater when we were younger, oh, yeah. obviously, mm-hmm. if if that's why our relationship with Mist is different, because like totally possible. I had played a number of LucasArts games and King's Quest games and decided things that I liked about them, and was by the time Mist came out, I was aware of the broader like just I was I was already starting to become like a games person, even though mm-hmm. I was a child. So I was like, so then my reaction now is one that I almost slightly regret of being like, this is boring, blah blah blah, <laughs> like basically like shitty teen response. Yeah. Um, I, I had played a bunch of LucasArts and Sierra games, but I don't think it had even occurred to me to put all of those games into a genre yet. Yeah. You know, you know what I mean? Like it wouldn't, I don't think, I I think I thought of them as LucasArts games and that was a genre and Sierra games and that was a genre. Um, and Mist And then game. there was Mist, which was just this other game. Uh, and then, the, you know, there were, I was familiar with, with, a, with a bunch of different games. Yeah. Anyway. But yeah. The Witness anyway, I'm really excited cool. about The Witness. Um, why did I bring this up? Oh, Oxenfree. Yes. Yeah. So Oxenfree is cool. Uh, the one thing that is really great about it is the all the sound design stuff. The, the, the one sort of main mechanical element of the game outside of the conversation system is the system where you walk around the game with a handheld radio and sort of tune into frequencies according to just how they're required by the plot. And I won't describe the narrative elements for fear of spoilers, but the way that they just the the way that the the radio is implemented and the way all that stuff sounds is just really really cool and when it's supposed to be spooky it is spooky and it's good and i liked it that's awesome mm-hmm. yeah oh also i was pretty convinced by the teen dialogue i i'm now long, far enough away from having been a teen that i just have absolutely no idea if they <laughs> accurately captured how teens speak like i'm you but know as, I'm, as characters it was it was but i bought the yeah i yeah. bought their interactions totally and I, that that's something that 
you know, it's always nice. In a yeah. Video game, so. yeah. They talked about MySpace probably. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Um, I haven't. There's an iPhone game I played, but I might wait on that because I'm more interested <laughs> in something Nick has. Yeah. Uh. So I guess I teased this like a couple weeks ago. Um. Oh, you teased it. I. Yeah, well, yeah. So I went home uh, over Christmas break and um. Just to recap, and my uh, my mom pulled a weird surprise out of a bag, which was this diary that she had written. Uh, by the way, this is not related to video games at all, although it is sort of tangentially <laughs> related to video games. I bet video games, games are mentioned somewhere. Oh, yeah, they're mentioned. Did you fall uh, <laughs> into this diary and find yourself in a surrealistic world? <laughs> <laughs> With a man speaking to me? Yeah. A red man. Um, what? What? Wait, what? Don't you remember Mist? There was like a weird. Oh, there's a red. Well, there's a red there's book, a book guy with a, a red book guy. No, there's a blue book guy. Guested in Mist. <laughs> Mist featuring Red Man. <laughs> yeah, um, no, I do remember the red guy and the blue guy. Yeah, the red guy and the blue guy. So, uh, in any case, um, oh man, sorry. Yeah. I wonder. I hope that the witness has one of those like puzzle uh, entry things that you could just beat the game with if you happen oh, to know the man. answer. Oh my god! In, in, in the true spirit of Mist, if you could just yeah. turn around and right behind your spawn is just the, the. I could totally see Jonathan Blow putting that into his game. The clues were there the entire time. I mean, anyone could have. I'm not going to explain it to anyone. You could have just beat the game instantly it's, if you were smart enough. <laughs> We can only hope. Anyway, Nick, Redman. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I mean, yes. I mean, my your father. Life. Yeah. <laughs> okay, here we go. My dad, the Redman. Um, so, anyway, I pulled a few excerpts from this thing. I mean, it's, it's so she wrote in this diary, uh, not every day, can but. Can I browse um, through this? Is that okay? I mean, y- you can. Um, I'm not going to, re- like I said, I'm not going to read everything, and, and a lot of it is just very. Um, like sweet in the way that like parents can be, yeah. you know. And so she was like, "Don't read this on the podcast. It's just, it's really embarrassing." She she told me she almost threw it out before she gave it to me. Oh which, my god! What? Which is really, oh, you know, wow. good thing she yeah, did. There's even more than that books as, as well. But oh yeah, this, this book's is, not even complete. Yeah, there's the there's story a, of Nick Brecken has yeah. yet to be concluded. <laughs> but uh, I'll I'll read a little. The bit last and... the last page of this that that has writing on it. As I turn to the page, I realize that an invisible hand is writing it and it's describing you being on this podcast right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my my life is just a Harry Potter uh, photo in process. Nick Brecken um, said. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I'll start uh, at the very beginning and then just kind of skip through. Wait, is there a, a page bit, but... torn out? No, this no, is okay. a little drawing. Oh God! See, this is this is this is my nightmare. Is you just like going through that? This is why I pulled like carefully excerpted segments. Who's Jim Witzelben? I have no idea. What is that? Oh, that's a a postcard. Nick, your life has been an arg. Uh, Doesn't matter. Keep going. Anyway, um, so the first entry starts. Uh, dear Nick, and the, I'm I'm just gonna sort of like begin with with a couple of like typical entries and then get to the ones that I think are actually kind of interesting. Okay. So, dear Nick, I've been trying to find the time to write down a few thoughts for you, but the past three weeks have been really hectic. So this is just like right after my birth. So tonight, as you sleep to me next to me on the couch while it's quiet here, Dad's at Super Bowl 19 party. I'll try to say a few things. Hilarious to me, by the way, that like my dad is at a Super Bowl party two weeks after I was born. Classic dad. Anyway. <laughs> um. And she goes on, the day after you were born was a warm December day, blah, 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 blah. So then skip forward to January 21st. And uh, she goes, inauguration day, another four years of Ronald Reagan. God help us. This is so weird that she's writing this (laughs) diary to me, but also just kind of like getting out her thoughts because she's probably just too busy as a mom to Mm -hmm. like have any outlet. 
God help us. Your mother is a liberal in a conservative age. You've been fussing for three hours. Then there was just a pause. You just loaded your pants. Now, <laughs> now that I've changed them, peace has, has descended upon this house. So anyway, so she goes on May 30th, 1985. And I'm like, I guess, five years or five months old, rather. If I could halt you at any stage, it would be right here. You are so cute and lovable. I'm five months old. <laughs> if I could just stunt your growth right now, everything would be perfect. So then it continues. <clears throat> September 19th. You look more and more like a little boy. You are getting closer to walking. And then she goes on and on and on. April 4th, 1986. The other day I got out of the shower and you walked in and handed me a foot off a doll Nana gave you. Well, the legs and feet are porcelain, so I hurried to the den where I left you watching TV, and here was your Julie with both legs and feet smashed to bits in a pair of pliers next to her. And you wow. kept talking about how concerned you were. So, like, you got to know, like, the first, like, 30 entries of this are just, oh, you're, I love you so much, and you're such a sweet, nice boy. And then just everything starts to You're slide. dismembering a porcelain doll <laughs> yeah, with pliers. Yeah. April 23rd, you are breaking glass and love it. Last night, you picked an expensive glass out of the dishwasher. And just as I said, no, you threw it across the room. You have a belligerent side to you that I don't like at all. Oh, no. <laughs> January 4th, 1987. Favorite sayings. <clears throat> I like macaroni. I like snot. <laughs> She would write, occasionally she would write down just the, the things that I'm saying lately. Yeah. Everything is pretty good to you right now. Yes. <laughs> I love that. You've got yes! everyone saying it. I think you are picking up all my expressions. I never realized how you many I had. Yeah. I don't know. I was two, maybe. It's <laughs> pretty good. It's pretty, pretty good. good. <laughs> this is an amazing entry. This is, this is a really amazingly prescient entry. April 5th, it has nothing really to do with my... Uh, development, just my mom being weird. So April 5th, 1987, I'm about mm, two and a half. We had a lot of fun at the ocean, but by the end of the second week, dad was really missing us and I was getting homesick too. We had spent three weeks with older people and we needed to get back to our schedule. Also, to preface this, I was reading this entry when I was 30 years old, riding in the back of a car with my parents driving. Okay, so <laughs> this is the setup. <clears throat> I made a lot of observations about the elderly and then it hit me that when you were a young man, Dad and I will be that old. Nana turned 70 while we were in Florida, and she's in really good shape. Anyway, since Dad and I will be 70 when you are 30, some things to make a note of. It's just, I, this was wow. blowing my mind that I'm yeah. reading this thing. Number one, please tell me when you need to eat more than I might. Nana seemed to cook enough food for us, but I would buy us healthy snacks in Phoenix as Gladys can make a meal out of a chicken wing. Two, insist on driving the car when we lose our ability to keep up with the flow of traffic. My dad is forgetting where to turn, and he slows down and speeds up until I'm ready to scream. Don't let me do that. Number three, don't feel you have to sit around and be nice. I hope I'm not boring or lose my sense of humor so you won't enjoy my company. Aw. Four, if I can't hear, get me a hearing aid. If I make clicking noises with my mouth, tell me. In essence, speak freely, but kindly. What a weird, wow. interesting thing. Anyway, June 10th, some favorite expressions. God damn it. What, what the heck? Let's cooperate and no. <laughs> Just the word no. I, I'm not Let's free yet. Let's cooperate. Yeah. God damn it. Yeah. It's very at odds. Um, oh, this one's good. October 22nd, started a bowling league. You're in a team with two other boys your age. So far, your average is 70. You have a lot of fun. The only problem is you have to play with the video games between your turns. And every week now, you have pushed and hurt some kid. <laughs> 
Was it like a Game Boy? I, I guess so. Well, no, there must have been like an, an arcade, arcade machine. At the bowling alley. Oh, okay. Yeah, and I apparently was like beating up kids to play this <laughs> game. Anyway. This is the best reader mail of all time. That's Almost three true. and a half years old. You're such an aggressive, fist-flying little boy. Favorite thing, Ghostbusters. You have Peter, Winston, Egon, and Ray. You know their last names, have the car, Ecto-1 vehicle, which you call the Ecto-1 vehicle. <laughs> yes. Recent expressions, you are making me nervous, and I hate this damn thing. <laughs> what? What a strange little kid you I'm are. I'm three years old. One day you recently woke up from a nap in the car and said, I feel just like a scientist. <laughs> Two days ago, Maybe you got up in the- Maybe you'll be a scientist. <laughs> Dude, yeah, right. That's what she wah, said. Wah, yeah. <laughs> no, he'll just beat up kids and play video games. Two days ago, you got in the morning, or sorry, got up in the morning and said, as you walked out of the room, it sure feels nice to use my legs again. And then said, mom, if this is my forehead, where is my two head? Words you use lately, mesmerized, process, and anxiety. Wow. <laughs> such a Mesmerized, weird... process, and anxiety. Oh, this... It's a Nick Brecken story. So I'll, I'll, I'll sort of wrap up here, but this is an interesting one. October 18th, there was a bad earthquake in San Francisco last evening, and as we drove to school, I was describing to you what happened. I was going on and on about broken water lines and gas lines and how hard it would be to live without each. And at the end of my discourse, you piped up and said simply, that's just the way it goes, Mom. Oh, weird <laughs> thing. Anyway. Lots of stuff about, like, Ghostbusters and uh, we went to Disney World and your favorite rides were Pirates of the Caribbean. But there's a lot of, oh, like, man. other, like, weird, hilarious, crazy stuff I need to still pull out of there. That yeah. just This just gets up to, like, two and a half or three. Right, right. It's such How a weird... old were you when she stopped journaling about you? Uh, I think I was ten. Was... No, you were eight. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, there's a gap in this book mm -hmm. between 1992 and 2004. Yeah, there's another book um, that is sort of, like, supplemental. Uh, but it's so strange reading. There's entries from stuff. 2004. There's one entry from 2004 when she finds this book yeah. and she writes, what the hell happened? <laughs> you are now on your way home from Western Mich Michigan University for a Christmas break. I just found this book while looking for a recipe in my cookbook file. You're going to enjoy reading some of this. <laughs> so that was what? That was 2004? Yeah. She didn't give it to me for another 12 years. Weird. Yep. Yeah. Mm. Anyway. Yeah, I'll have to pull some more stuff that's like, there's a lot of weird garbage about Nintendo. <laughs> like, anyway. Yeah, it was just really interesting to read about, like, in detail yeah. and draw lines to, like, what you are now mm -hmm. and realize yeah, that, that basically in the first three years of your life, so much is set down and it's gross. Oh, yeah. It's, it's super gross. I've read a how... lot of stuff about that recently Yeah, for whatever reason. Like, a lot of things about what foods you eat mm -hmm. in just the first two years of your life. Like if you don't eat a sort of a broad enough range of food during those years, it becomes incredibly difficult as yep. an adult to like have a sort of healthy taste for foods that are good for you and stuff. Just weird shit like that. Where it's like, holy shit, you can you can be messed up so early. I mean, obviously you can come back from that stuff, but like, but it's much much harder. It's crazy how things introduced to you at such a young age, yeah, actually have a really long term impact. Yeah, it's something about the way like neurons develop and they just sort of like lock into place. Mm -hmm. And then that's just the way that your brain is configured. Yeah, it is bonkers. Yeah. Uh, all right. So you guys want to do some reader mail? Sure. Yeah. Uh, Kevin Hainline writes, hey, thumbs, I wanted to write in actually slightly expand on a forum post about Awesome Games Done Quick 2016 after hearing Nick discuss it on last week's episode 245. I've been fascinated by AGDQ for years and years as individual runs can be both entertaining and highly enlightening. Demonstrate. Sorry. Demonstrating how the interactions of game dynamics and game systems can be exploited for speed and often humor. 
The back half of Nick's discussion centered around Tazbot, where some programmers showed off some tool-assisted runs for a few games. There are al- These are almost always now running on actual consoles, where a laptop is plugged into the system in some manner. For the NES and SNES, it's through the controller ports. It's pretty cute. They string everything through a little robotic-operated buddy, Rob, outfitted with some LEDs that show which buttons are being pressed on a controller at a given time, but generally it's just a laptop that has to hopefully stay synced with the actual console as it runs through a set of specific inputs. For AGDQ 2016, there were many games exploited for the Tazbot block, but Nick brought up two in particular, Super Mario Bros. 3 and Super Mario World. Both of these were total control hacks, where a user can first use controller inputs and careful Mario maneuvers to load instructions into the Object Attribute Memory OAM buffer that can then be triggered to run as raw executable code that allows the laptop to inject and run any code into the game's uh, SRAM through quick button inputs on the second controller. The first part with careful Mario maneuvers is something an actual human can do for some games. This is how Super Mario World and Yoshi's Island can be beaten very, very quickly, where the user throws around turtle shells and eggs in a very precise fashion then executes a glitch that tricks the game into sending them to the end credits. Both things were demonstrated at this year's AGDQ. But the second part, with the quick button pressing on the second controller, is outside of human ability. It's actually not possible to, say, press up and down on a controller at the same time, something that is important for Tazbot to be able to do, which is why it inputs the control directly to the console through the controller port. I'm pretty sure at no point are actual physical inputs on a physical controller used. At AGDQ 2016, they controlled Super Mario Bros. 3, injecting some jokes into the game. The SMB3 backdoor that Nick described with the message from Shigeru Miyamoto was a joke, and the dinosaur was a reference to an AGDQ favorite, the NES game Color a Dinosaur. You or the readers should seek out and find the SMB3 Tazbot block because they demonstrate a lot of fun reprogramming, which affects how Mario interacts with the game, and then hand a controller over to a human player who's able to use these hacks live, demonstrating that it's a real console with a cartridge. For Super Mario World, the Mario Maker program is also worth a look, and there's an Ars Technica article that lays out how the hard part for this wasn't executing the code, it was finding the space to run the code on the cartridge, which could only have been done by using a Super Mario All-Stars cartridge, which offered more on-cart space to allow for so many save games. As a final point, I want to be pedantic about something related to this episode, since it reframes an entire discussion. Nick was talking about the pretty amazing Step Step Mania run by Stain, and at one point early in the run, there's a lot of vowels in that name, at one point early in the run, you hear one of the commentators say something pretty amazing and potentially unbelievable. These very fast DDR levels are not memorized, but rather high-level players are just looking for patterns actually coming up on the screen and using their intrinsic muscle memory and pattern recognition they manage to work their way through a song. Watch the run with this in mind, especially for the moment later when a second player steps in and plays a version of the game where the arrows spin into place from the opposite directions on the screen. It's nuts. Anyway, thanks for reading and thanks for making a fun and informative podcast. Kevin Hainline. That's yeah. crazy that Stepmania is not prescribed levels yeah it actually the this description of it makes me sort of feel like my comparison last week to reading sheet music that you know decently well is correct because i feel like yeah a lot of reading sheet music is if you have if you don't have a piece 100 percent memorized often you're kind of just like recognizing patterns that have some like deep connection to your brain and your Mm -hmm. fingers and you're kind of using the stuff on the page or on the screen in this case to like Instead, in, instead of reading it perfectly, you're sort of like, oh, I see what it's doing. Yeah, right. Exa- yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So it seems like an appropriate comparison. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that stuff is cool. It is crazy. Um, Let's see. I guess we'll do one other. It's been a long episode, so we can uh, we can call it after this. But John Ros- uh, Rosewicki writes, 
Uh, on the cast over the years, there's been a decent amount of discussion about how children play games. So I, tried, I thought I'd share this anecdote. I was at a friend's house this weekend playing Mario Maker with their five-year-old boy and seven-year-old girl. When they suggested playing it, I naively assumed it was going to be a thing where they play a little, then I take over while they tell me what to do. I couldn't have been more wrong. The five-year-old is some kind of Mario Maker wizard. He opened a new level, set it to Mario 3 graphics, and started making what I can only describe as a bullet bill pyramid of death with, with each of the bullet bill spawners spitting out a different enemy type. He also put a giant brick wall right in front of the level entrance. I thought he was just messing around randomly and would have me take over to mold his level into something playable. This did not happen. He put a tanuki leaf next to the entrance so the player could bust through the wall to get to the bullet bill death area. His sister was complaining she wanted him to make it pretty, which I didn't quite understand at first. Her brother replied, well, if I do that, Mario won't be able to get through the wall. I'll show you. So he changed the tile set to the new Super Mario Brothers graphics. Ah, uh, that must have been what her sister meant. And proceeded to show her that the power-up works differently with the other graphics. He explained that the wall was important because it meant players would have to contend with at least some of the spawned enemies. As a person close to 30, I've played a lot of Mario in my life, but this five-year-old appears to have just as much of an understanding of the mechanics as I do. He may have a better understanding of some of them, since watching him play his own level revealed that his bullet build death area was easily clearable with a well-executed jump timing. I died on it five times in a row after he first handed me the controller. He took great pleasure in this. What Nintendo was able to do with Mario Maker impressed me before, but seeing a five-year-old be able to expertly place objects, quickly test what he had done, and continue creating astounded me. I can only imagine how different his perception of what a Mario game is than what my perception of what a Mario game was at his age. Historically, the Mario games were enjoyable platformers with a few dozen courses, but were also a bit static. Mario Maker turns Mario into something more akin to Lego. You have your pieces and you put them together however you want. You don't just play Mario like any other video game. You play with Mario and Mario game elements in a way that child me was only able to do in my imagination. The five-year-old probably won't become a big famous game designer when he's older, but I wouldn't be surprised if Mario Maker did have some impact on the coming generation of game designers. John Rosewicky, pronounced like Rosewicky. P.S. I unironically can't wait for bridge discussion on the cast. Oh man, oh, yeah. we keep forgetting about bridge. Next week. Next week, bridge. Bridge cast. Yeah. That's cool. Yep. That's that is really interesting to think about when you imagine like, you know. We've talked about that in terms of Minecraft before. Yeah, yeah for sure. I was just thinking about Minecraft. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. But Mario Maker feels like it has jumped very quickly up into that discussion. I mean, uh, fewer kids probably play Mario Maker than play Minecraft. I, I, that's yeah, obvious. Yeah, for sure. But, but but a world in which that is just the kinds of things available for kids to yeah, play. The the specific thing that he said in that email of just this kid's relationship with and assumptions about what a Mario uh, what Mario is compared to ours as kids is really interesting to me. If just like even if even if that 5-year-old kid now goes and plays Mario 3 or Mario World in the from the Wii shop like on virtual console, you're just like, "Oh, this is just it's just someone's Mario Maker campaign." That's really yeah. weird mm -hmm. to think about. I mean, it does different stuff and it's obviously constructed with a lot more thought, but it's it it's an it's a living embodiment of some of the stuff that mm -hmm. I think we sort of talked about maybe being what would happen when a game like Mario Maker exists when the other Mario games also exist. It's weird. It's interesting. I wonder if kids playing with stuff like this <clears throat> fulfills or re potentially replaces some of what used to happen with playing with like a chemistry set or an erector set. Yeah, so I was thinking about Lego. Well, just and, playing with Lego, then, right? Yeah, it's just yeah. like Minecraft. Yeah. It's just the new Lego. It feels mm -hmm. like, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Man, I saw a absolutely Jake. I linked this to you, but I don't. You didn't reply, so I guess I don't know if you watched it or not. But there was this crazy Mario Maker. Oh, I didn't look at it yet. Stage. It is out of control. It's called uh, Fermat's Last Theorem. Uh, oh, I heard about after, this. Like yeah. the mathematical theorem that took 350 years to solve or whatever. But if you search for 
um, Mario Maker Fermat's Last Theorem, you'll find a Kotaku piece about this and a full eight-minute video of someone beating it. This level, out of thousands of tries, has been completed exactly once, and you can wow. watch that successful try on YouTube. And it's it's crazy. I mean, just watching someone do seemingly eight minutes of completely arbitrary like, things in a Mario level, and and eight minutes later, the level is done. It is it's just crazy. I mean, it there's this whole phenomenon of puzzle levels in Mario Maker where the the point isn't platforming and you know defeating enemies and so on it's like figuring out how to use all these mario mechanics to create this incredibly specific lock and key effect that's interesting yeah it's really weird um i don't think i would have the patience to to delve too deeply into that side of things but yeah. there are people who do and watching them play is like just a different it's like an alternate universe mario it's like if mario and mist were the same game yep. it would be this yeah speaking of that stuff I hope that Mario Maker is successful enough that Nintendo actually does just take the blueprint out to some other other games. Like the most intense Metroid one, Maker, fucking Zelda. Metroid Maker. <laughs> Zelda Maker would be so much more strange because you'd have to have an overworld and a dungeon. I guess I not. I no, you could just do dungeons. You could just have a dungeon maker. That's right? so boring, though. I, I mean, yeah. it's not. It's not. But Metroid people would probably make it not boring. There's probably. just there's just no <laughs> distinction in Metroid between those things, other than the tile set changes when you go through a door. Yeah. I guess there's technically not with Zelda. No. I just think that there is. It's just, it is just a different tile set. Yeah. Uh, if you had know. all of those tile sets and made a dungeon out of all of them, you know? I don't know. Just ah, I would. Yeah. I would. Well, it it is different because in Metroid, it's one contiguous plane that is in the that is the entire game. Yes, that's Whereas true. In Zelda, you actually change. There's to a multiple. There's multiple yeah. layers, but it's still a stairwell could technically just using, lead you to another overworld. Yeah. And you're it's, still it's, using the same mechanics. Yeah. 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 Uh -huh. Um. Like with Zelda One, it literally is just two overworlds. Um, because if you overlay all the Zelda One dungeons, they all actually the Correspond. negative space in one yeah. is actually positive space in another That's because awesome. you're just in different parts of a tile set and they black out the parts that you're not supposed to see. That's yeah, cool. um, I didn't know that. yeah. Um, I don't think that's the case with Link to the Past because sure I don't think they not, had to yeah. deal with no. that anymore. But um. So in that in that regard, fuck, make a Zelda maker that has that constraint <laughs> of just you just yeah. get an overworld and you get a dungeon world mm -hmm. anyway whatever i i hate that i'm just like maybe nintendo you should make makers of all your other games it's, where's my mario kart maker pikmin maker <laughs> fucking pikmin maker whatever i'll oh, take man. it <laughs> chibi robo chibi maker. Ro give me blast core maker that's a rare game i guess oh god blast core mario paint maker man, did i maker would be pretty cool did i mention just really quickly speaking of agdq did i mention the blast core run that no. somebody did no. okay everybody has to watch this uh one, because it's an incredible run, but also because they had the lead developer from the game on oh, Skype wow. for the entire run. It's hilarious. It's really, wow, really, crazy. really good. They had a guy whose job, you know, he was just sitting on the couch and then there was somebody playing and the guy on the couch was sort of interviewing this guy, the developer, as they as he was playing and just destroying the game. Really, really fascinating stuff because it's just like, you know, the guy is like, so did you when you were designing these levels, did you like do this with like very specific intent? Like, how did you did you do the path for like the 
the the uh, truck first, and then the you know the other thing later. And he was just like, we we didn't know what we were doing. We just made a <laughs> bunch of stuff. We were developing this game like before there was Nintendo sixty four hardware on like two hundred fifty thousand dollars Silicon Graphics workstations, <laughs> right? And then had to redesign the game completely when we finally got a thing. Like we bleh, we we didn't know what we were doing at all. It's so good. He just goes into like every little detail about making this weird N sixty four game. You, it's awesome. It's yeah. It's highly Is recommended. Blastcore the one with the like planets in the start screen or something. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. God, there's so much weird stuff in that game. He was talking about like. Did they ask him about that? Uh, I don't know if they ever hit on that, but like, the, there's a robot in that game that you can play as, and it has one arm. And he was like, so the guy was just like, "That's a really, un-, you know," he was just interviewing the guy. That's a really unique robot. How did you like? How did the artist like come up with that robot? And he was like. Well, so, I mean, you know, we can only push, like, 2,000 polygons on the screen. So, like, he just made a robot, and then we were, like, over budget on polygons. So, he just, like, took the arm off. It's <laughs> just so good. Wow. wow. There was just so much stuff like that. Like, oh, man. Oh, it's amazing. so amazing. They were just... just- uh, the answer is pragmatism. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> Blast car, bye. Yeah, like there are like races in the game where you just do laps and the guy in the speed run was just, he would find the like midpoint of the, um, of Earth. like the graph, oh. you know, and, and, and then just basically just go backwards and then do just like the tiniest possible loop. What counts as a lap? Like, <laughs> Which is just, it's just, you have to just hit the four quadrants right. and the developer yeah. was just like, I didn't even know how that worked. Man, that's embarrassing. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> like, ugh. <laughs> Whatever. He shouldn't be embarrassed by that because that's the best. Oh, uh, yeah. He Stuff was also like, just kind of like, eh, that's just how we made games. Well, I don't know. Cool. I watched a Spelunky run um, that had uh, both Derek Yu and Andy Hall, Derek Yu, the artist and designer, and, and Andy Hall, the programmer, on the phone during the Spelunky run. And there were so many things where uh, where Derek Yu was like, oh, huh. Yeah. I've seen that before. And then there was one that was a bug that was exploited. I don't remember what it was. And Derek Yu was like, Whoops, sorry, that looks like a bug. I didn't know about that. And Andy Hall was like, uh, I knew about that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the ones that you make peace with shipping uh, yeah. are the best when, yeah. like, I don't know. Like, when they're exposed. When they're just, yeah, that's, so funny. that's amazing. Yeah, I knew about that. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Yep. Well, thank you for listening to this week's Idle Thumbs. If you enjoyed this podcast, I don't know what that was about. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider rating us or reviewing us on iTunes. And please especially consider telling a friend. Um, We'd love to get the word out about the show. And it's so, so, so helpful when you help us do that. Uh, You can follow us on Twitter at Idle Thumbs. And all of our shows can be found at IdleThumbs.net, including Idle Weekend, which just keeps being really, really good. uh, Featuring uh, Daniel Riendo and Rob Zachney. Uh, doing an awesome job every week, uh, just talking about all kinds of cool stuff, a really interesting range of things that they always talk about. It's really great. Idle Weekend can be found at idleweekend.net or at idlethumbs.net along with all of our other shows. You can email us at questions at idlethumbs.net. And uh, yeah, thank you again for listening. Thanks. Bye. But don't curb your enthusiasm. <laughs>